Welcome to the eighth episode of the Practical Operations Podcast. We are your hosts, Brendan Diesendorf, Jack Neely, and I'm Jared Watkins. We are here this week to talk about the practical side of operations work. This week, we're going to talk about working from home. Do we have any follow-up? All right, that's a no. Diving right in. So in operations work, there's a lot of folks who have moved over to full-time work-from-home positions. I am in that lucky category, um, but I know a lot of people who are not, and organizations don't always support or shine up or smile upon the idea of having employees that are remote. And we're going to talk today a little bit about the pitfalls of both working from home and the benefits of not working from home as applicable. Jack and Jared, um, I could use some input from you guys about your current situations in terms of working from home and not, and what your thoughts are on the general case before we go into specifics. We're actually supposed to say something on this podcast? <laughs> yes, that's the whole point. <laughs> well, I've well, been uh, purely working from home now for a little more than two years. It was... It was the thing I was most concerned about when I took this current position because I'd never really worked from home. I'd always gone to that that office, that place where you do work, and use that as as to keep myself focused. Um, so working from home was a great adventure for me, and I came to enjoy it very, very quickly, and found uh, life much more productible, uh, productive, uh, a better work life balance, and. Really, I can get stuff done that I can't in an office, and I can be more productive than I could with folks walking in all the time. I have the same interaction with my peers that I'm basically used to through ye old internet, and I can still do quality work, which has made me really fall in love with it. It's going to be very difficult if I, uh, or when I change jobs and, and figuring out uh, how to deal with other folks that don't want me to work from home. What about you, Jared? My current position um, started off with one day work from home, and then uh, eventually we're able to get it up to two days work from home. And then through some uh, series of personal events, I was able to actually uh, temporarily move to full-time work from home for a while, and that's uh, that's getting ready to come to an end here shortly. Uh, so I will say going from one and then two days to full-time was a, a game changer for me. I'm like you, Jack. I, you know, productivity's just come through the roof. I I choose to live, and again, this is my choice, not my employer's. I I generally have always lived twenty to thirty minutes away from any place I've worked. So that was at least an hour of time lost. Whereas now nowadays, that's actually spent doing work. Uh, also, uh, it helps me out personally. Cheaper, you know. Lunches are at the house and you know, usually leftover dinner. And uh, yeah, I just I, great work life balance. Uh, it just it just works out for our situation so well. And I can't speak enough about working from home. However, uh, the culture at the company has to be there. Everybody has to whether whether everybody is remote or not, the company has to buy in or else it can be a challenge for the person who is working from home, especially like me, who's pretty much the only person full-time working from home, can be left out of conversations or discussions about certain things. So it, it does have some challenges. Yeah, that's a, a a very 
decisive thing that the folks you're working for have to have to think about. Um, folks that support uh, work from home employees that want to do it, that do it well, have designed their whole company culture around that and and just make it super great, really. Um, but if the company isn't isn't gung ho for it, doesn't really make that decision, it can be very very difficult to to keep up with the hallway discussion. It, it's definitely a culture thing that that makes that work. I am also working from home full time these days, having slowly transitioned into it. Um, a couple of jobs ago, when I was working for a large government institution, the policy was you can work from home a little bit, maybe one day a week, but generally you're in the office. And the only real exception was in inclement weather. People would say, okay, I'm, I'm not coming to work today because of ice and snow in the roads. I'm going to work from home today. I don't have any meetings, those kinds of things. Um, my next position, I was able to schedule work from home days, and that worked out nicely. And there was a lot of value in the FaceTime stuff. But when on the days we, we worked from home, we got a lot of work done. And now I'm also in a 100% work from home position, um, working alongside Jack for various clients. And as long as, as Jared said, the culture is there, you can really get a lot of high value work done very quickly without interruption. One of the it limitations still takes me four times longer to do anything than I originally estimate, though. Well, that's a classic problem that we, we have. Um, but one of the biggest working problems... Working from home that, doesn't cure the Scotty factor. No, it doesn't. But one of the things that working from home, one of the big limitations it has is there are certain high bandwidth conversations that work better in person, especially when you have large groups of technical people talking, that it doesn't translate well for the high bandwidth stuff to a Skype call or a Google Hangout or what have you. It really works better in face-to-face. And so one of my clients currently brings people together occasionally in person to talk about stuff because they have a distributed office as well. And it works better to just get everybody in a room at times. And the most recent time we did this in a couple of hours, we covered several months worth of technical planning and roadmap processing. So we're able to kind of see the the ground ahead of us for a while. Yeah. And I think that's important. Full-time remote or 100% work from home doesn't mean that you are opposed to ever going to an office or, or going to meetings with people. It, it just means to make them more effective. You know, you can have, I mean, I've been at pretty much every job. There's, you know, weekly meetings or stand up meetings every day, what have you. And, and while those are great, especially if their, their up meetings are kept to what they were meant to be stand up meetings, huh, that, that they tend to can drag on. Whereas whenever they're more concise or you're, you're meeting, uh, every couple months or whatever to go over, like you're saying, big project ideas, timelines, and then everybody kind of breaks away and, and works diligently and still updates everyone. Uh, I, I feel that there's more accomplished in the same amount of time. And the still updates everyone is the the real key here to me. The Working from home as a corporate culture works as long as there is sufficient communication. And it's always good to err on the side of over-communicating than under-communicating because you're trying to be clear and succinct about what you're working on and what you're doing and how what you're doing impacts other people. And if you aren't clear about what the thing is you're working on, nobody else can make a good decision based on it and everything falls apart very quickly. Yeah, one thing that's real, well, two things, I guess, working from home has really helped me with is, is communicating, one, like, what am I working on now? What What have I worked on? 
and and part of that is also too i am keeping track of of what i'm doing much better i actually have like a trello board that i keep a little personal trello board that's my to-do list and i actually have columns for backlog or you know long-term things that i'll probably never get to a trello have you heard of this it's a I, i have not it's a uh, very lightweight I, – I don't want to call it a Kanban board because I guess it's not really. It's it's really just a simple uh, – the simplest element is a card, and inside of a card you can have a description, uh, checklists, a due date, comments, and you can put these cards in columns. And so I have a column that's my backlog that's, like I said, stuff I'll never get to. I have a column that I update at the beginning of the week called This Week – and those are the, the tasks that I plan on trying to get to this week. And then I have a today column that are tasks that I plan on working today. And then I have an in-progress column. And, and a lot of this is sounds very uh, Agile-ish because I, I did model it after a lot of our Agile stuff. And then it I have a done, done column. Like. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is. And uh, so, I, you know, when I'm working on it, and, and I have, we have daily stand-ups with, I have a daily stand-up with my manager and I'm just like, yeah, so my cards that I'm working on today is, you know, it's, it's basically like a stand-up meeting for, a, for an Agile meeting. And uh, it has really helped me keep tabs on what I'm doing. Uh, I've even started using the, uh, um, uh, what's the tomato method, uh, the uh, tomato timer. Uh, oh, the 25 five-minute thing? Yes. I, I've actually started, like, storing how, uh, Pomodoro. Pomodoro? Ah, anyway, the Pomodori technique, uh, Pomodoro technique or whatever, uh, is, uh, I've started adhering to that and starting actually keeping track of number of repetitions of the card in, in the, in the car or how many repetitions of the card in the car. But anyway, that's probably too obsessive, but well, it has really helped me keep organized. What exactly is the Pomodoro method for people who don't know? Basically, I, I think it actually came about with the get stuff done or gtd stuff basically it's uh you set a timer and it could be anything it'd be a physical timer there's a lot of apps obviously on iphone whatever uh mac that can you set a timer usually it's 25 minutes you focus on a task for 25 minutes you don't if an email pops up you ignore it i i am you you ignore everything for 25 minutes and then you have a duration after that which is usually five minutes of rest break go check your email do whatever you just do everything but but focus on that task. And then after the five minutes is up, you do another 25 minutes, and you do that for four repetitions, and then you get a longer break. Generally, I think it's 20 or 25 minutes. Um, obviously, all these numbers can be uh, messed with and, and adjusted, uh, but it's a really great way to try and break up a huge task into a more manageable chunks of time and really helps me stay focused. Okay, that makes sense. Excellent. I have been having trouble sometimes keeping specific focus on especially large ranging tasks that have lots of strange subcomponents that don't always relate directly back to the main task, but are very important to happen. And I keep track of everything in a glorified Excel sheet and Jira, which the combination of the two gets the job done, but not gracefully. So I'm always looking for new tools and better ways to kind of manage this. I'll have to I give keep that a, a logbook of of what I get done and how I manage my time, and use that for uh, for the pro- uh, for the purpose of my lovely clients. Um, but 
while I like my system and what I have, I've always always wanted a better tool other than a, a pencil and a logbook for for doing this. But I've never never quite found something that fit all the the nooks and crannies of what I use a logbook for. Yeah, and that's that's what's really great about uh, Trello is that there's a uh, for the the actual board itself there is a audit log of everything you know like if you made a comment or you moved a card uh, so it, it's really great for me to go back if I you know thought I did something a while back ago you can actually go back and see oh yeah I did you know on this day I moved it to the in progress or whatever then I moved it to done so it, it's really helpful yeah I find that on on days that I have been neglectful about keeping track of time that I find at the end of the day as I'm trying to account for time, I'm scrolling back through instant messenger and trying to, trying to piece together which pieces of conversation happened when, so I can key off of where I changed from, you know, this task to this task. So I can make sure to, to build things correctly and a, a better timer system is something that I badly need. So I'll take a look at this. This gets kind of into the, the, the meat of what's wrong with working from home at times is that if you don't have good focus or, your current set of tasks isn't well-defined. It's really easy to get lost in the weeds about talking to people on instant messenger or IRC or whatever your internal chat communication stuff is, or doing reading about products or things you're working on and lose track of, of where you're, uh, where you're spending your time. Yeah. And that, and I guess that's the only negative too, is like you mentioned, trying to get a hold of people. Cause if you're, I get, and I guess this is also sort of the negative on your side is on, on you know the person's side as well is that generally you could go try to, find that person and, and be like, Hey, what about this real quick? But when you're, you know, just send them a message or an email, sometimes it could take some time for them to see it and notice it and then get back to you. The, what I dislike about uh, working from home is as Jared mentioned, um, uh, lunch is usually in the kitchen. And I found that what I do miss is, is being able to go out to lunch with my coworkers and, and just kind of, shoot the shit together and and have that opportunity for some not quite on topic but never really off topic uh a conversation with folks and uh in in former jobs i really found the going out to lunch with folks to be one of the most productive times of the day as far as being able to sync up with folks and make sure that your work complements what else is going on that's uh, that's really to me the part I miss, and that's that's what a a company that that wants to support work from home employees really has to replace with good culture, and that's that's not always easy. Yeah, one of the one of the difficulties that we've mentioned before on this show that I've experienced firsthand is if you're working from home on a day that <clears throat> there's an important water cooler conversation, or there's an important stand up conversation, or other things happen that are only recorded or they're not recorded at all. They're only in person. You've missed them and you're done. So you're you done. have to, you have to then try to piece things back together later. And it's never as good as being in the room. A couple of jobs ago, the, the offices were divided into pods off of a main hallway. And so there are five offices to a pod. And I wasn't in the pod that most of the other admins on my team were on. So I would walk into their pod halfway through an important conversation and it's like, okay, well, crap, what did I miss? And I try to, I try to scamper and catch up with whichever pieces of it they were. Um, there were some important discussions about like mail routing and other file services on for the organization that I only caught parts of. And it was detrimental to me because I wasn't in their physical space. 
However, in that job, we also had office hours that closed, which made it so much easier to actually focus on doing work. I would never trade the inconvenience of not being in the right pod at the right time for the open office plan that is so hip in many places that I find intolerable and unable to get anything done. And so very, very noisy. Yeah, but I, I wonder how, if you were to poll most of the employees who have to sit in that, I wonder how many actually say, oh, I love this compared to, you know, either upper management or somebody who was in, in financing who, who decided this is the way to go instead of spending some more money to actually get some real office space. I have not met anybody who prefers working in an open office plan to working in an actual office in my entire career. Most people think, oh, well, I can't have an office because that's only for senior management or that's only for whoever. But I don't know anybody who's had an office who would ever willingly want to work in a cube farm or the dreaded open open floor plan where there's just desks and chairs and there's no there's not even walls between people. I've done cube farms. I've done real offices. Uh, you can have some nice cube farms. You can have some really bad ones. Um, but yeah, the the open floor plan movement is, to me, it's just a, a great way to cram more people in less office space. And I'm so glad I work from home. Yep. Plus, also, I was able to uh, venture into my latest, uh, I don't want to say, it's not even a health craze, I guess. I, I was able to get a stand-and-sit desk, which I, I imagine I could have requested one in my current company, and, and it could have been provided. But I, I'm in a cubicle now, so it would have been really difficult. I'd, I'd have to get one of those uh, you know stands that you could put on top of the desk maybe to, to sit and raise. Uh, but I, I really love my stand-and-sit desk. I, I find that I stand a little over half of the day and it, and it really has changed uh, how I, how I work. I mean, I can, um, it, it just really invigorates me when I stand and, and work for a while and uh, just, I just feel healthier doing it. And I, and that's something that I really probably wouldn't have been able to do, to do uh, in an office setting. Yeah, for me, the other health benefit of working from home is definitely food because I'm not, I'm never ordering food at a restaurant. I'm never getting something to go where I, I don't have control over portion size or ingredients. Sugar content. <clears throat> but working from home, it's generally food that I've made night before, morning of, and I can go and I can get the, the, the bit that I need. And I know that, well, if I don't eat enough right now, I can always take a break in an hour and grab, you know, a five minute break later and get some more of whatever I need. So it it reduces the calories coming in and it helps keep help, helps me be mindful and intentional about what I am actually eating. I take a lot of short breaks during the day. I'll come out and I'll get a cup of coffee. I'll come out and I'll do like five minutes of folding laundry or something because I need to get my brain off of whatever task I'm working on and doing a simple mechanical physical thing can often help. And there's a side benefit of I'm actually helping out like the the family or or other things directly while I'm the thinking th about a work problem the thing i honestly i'm this is crazy the thing i miss the most is when i'm frustrated with my job not really able to get stuff done or just blocked every way i go the thing i miss the most is being able to go downstairs and help rack servers and just or doing any other uh, server room sort of maintenance because you actually see the work happen in front of you with your hands and that was 
that was a wonderful break and still very productive for for uh, what we needed to get done at that particular job. Yeah, at that job, I would for my lunch break, I, I stopped taking a traditional lunch break um, about two years before I left the job. I would bring my lunch and I would eat it at my desk while I was working because it was I was eating a very simple lunch. It would take me a few minutes to eat it. And then for lunch, I would go take a walk and I would just walk around a loop around campus and think about usually work problems and podcasts and whatever. But it, I was cogitating on a lot of the intricacies of the monitoring system and other pieces that needed to get a lot of attention, but it wasn't happening sitting at a desk staring at a screen. And now that I'm working from home, I find that that hour long break I was taking to walk around and just walk is now replaced by a bunch of three to five minute breaks where I get up, I'm thinking about a problem and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on and I'll just walk around a little bit. And then I come back in and I sit down and I have the answer in my head and I can start working on it again. So yes, I'm not at the keyboard, but it's not, I haven't stopped working. You're not at the keyboard, but you haven't stopped working. And it's uh, much to my former employer's chagrin, I always counted lunch as work time because I met with folks from all over campus. We got much more coordination and, and stuff done in that 45 minutes to an hour than than usually I got done the rest of the day. Well, when did, you know, I, I remember when a job was nine to five and now it's more eight to five with an hour lunch break. I mean, well, used to the, the hour was included. Well, it used to be nine to five with an hour lunch break paid a, a paid lunch break. Right. And then it became, well, we're paying you for an eight hour day and you're taking an hour lunch breaks. So you're going to work eight to five and have an, a, you get an hour for lunch, but you're unpaid for that hour. And then exactly. it became, you're working eight to five and you get a 30 minute lunch break because you, sh you should be working. And suddenly you're working, you know, 42 and a half hours a week. One of the nicest things about my current arrangement is when they say a 40 hour week, they mean a 40 hour week. So I work nine to five and I'm expected to take short lunch breaks and whatever, but that's fine because I can take my son to school in the morning and still come back and make a cup of coffee before it's time to, to sit down at the desk and start working. Yeah, even though I work from home, I try my best to keep a normal sort of 9 to 5, 30-minute lunch break kind of schedule. Uh, it helps me be productive. It sets expectations for what uh, uh, folks at my clients can expect of me. And it it helps with the culture of, of being a work-from-home person in a uh, client that's not always work from home and, and with uh, clients that are always work from home. Again, it's all about predictability and communication. If people know that you will be on chat or responding to messages in chat within a couple of minutes, yep, they okay. That's 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 your work hours. I know some folks who physically live in California but maintain East Coast work hours, and that's, that's crazy. Fine. But they're just considered East Coast employees. Everybody says, okay, well, you're on the East Coast, so you do the stuff, and it's like, yeah, well, physically they're not, but who cares? Because they maintain hours and everybody can set their watches by when they, sh they show up and leave. So they're, they're East Coast employees. My wife and I have mused at times about moving overseas and maintaining this job. Um, I know it wouldn't work for tax reasons and for latency reasons and other things, but the fantasy is, okay, well, you know, you, you move to London or you move to Thailand. And as long as you're willing to keep the crazy hours from the local point of view, yeah, you, you can work East Coast U.S. hours if you're working from home, as long as you're 
communicating clearly and you have good bandwidth and you're not, you know, you're not being an idiot about it. Well, that, that also leads us into, uh, other work from home benefits. If you know, your company's up for that, um, as your business scales and hopefully all successful businesses will, you might end up with, with offices around the world. So you've got to figure out how to communicate with folks in different time zones around the world uh, anyway. So uh, incorporating uh, work from home before or after uh, those transitions make a lot of sense for the other. And it ends up um, with larger companies and offices around the world um, having uh, folks online at predictable hours around the world gives you better coverage uh for less capital than it does uh, maintaining crazy pager duties or shift work um, to keep things covered from a 24-hour perspective uh, just in a single U.S. time zone. Yeah, if you actually have operations staff or development staff in every time zone or in enough time zones that there's overlap all the time, that there's always somebody from the team who can be working normal hours and being assigned tasks, suddenly it means that you don't have anybody who's on overnight pager during the week. <clears throat> There's still weekends to deal with, but it frees the team from having to carry a pager, you know, on in Monday sleep. night. And that that's a huge reduction in burden on folks. And if you're already staffing for different time zones for, for various other reasons, this is an added benefit of not having to pay people overtime or schedule people and have morale suffer for the, the abuse that happens with a lot of places, pager, pager rotations. Oh, we all know what a, would a, a an abuse but pager i can't even think this, of the right words to describe bad pager duty cycles in most places i've worked the pager shift is about a week and if the company is intelligent you rotate wednesdays and if it's not you rotate other days the the wednesday rotation is mostly so for holidays you don't have somebody coming on rotation in the middle of say christmas break it's no Wednesday to Wednesday is usually all the long weekends are covered by one person instead of rotating midweekend, which is another story in and of itself. But there, there are weeks where nothing happens. You don't get any pages and you're wondering, is monitoring broken? And then there's weeks that by the third day, you're like, I'm going to quit this job. I, I haven't had more than two hours consecutive sleep and I'm still expected to go into the office tomorrow and put in a productive eight hours. That's just not going to happen. But we're getting pretty far afield at this point. It also bears mentioning that there are some notable tech companies that don't have work-from-home cultures. They, they've decided that if an individual needs to work from home a day or two or three here and there, that's fine. But they're not going to have remote employees. And one of them that I'm aware of is Netflix. They don't do um, long-distance employment. Everybody has to come to the office, that's where they do their work and they have a lot of value in the high bandwidth communication you get from being face-to-face -face with people and being able to have ad hoc meetings where you pull different people from different teams together very quickly and have those high bandwidth meetings. And it's a decision they've made. And they are they obviously have a lot of very talented people that they've hired that way. Um, and they've chosen not to, to tap into the pool of remote people that could be talented for that. But as a culture they've decided to go that direction. And one of the neat things about, about Netflix, if you're going to be a company and you're going to make that decision, they've got the, the reasons 
why they want to be in that direction uh, laid out and fairly clear, even for folks that are not really associated with Netflix. Um, and for somebody that that has a a such a, a vision for what they want their culture to be and reasons why their vision is is set forth the way it is, that's really the foundation for for a good culture at a company, even if it doesn't include my favorite office here in in my house. Yeah, and then on on the other side, you actually have somebody like uh, uh, Thirty Seven Signals, which I guess actually now is just called Basecamp, where you know their whole uh, shtick is that they are remote, and they have been from the beginning, right? Uh, yes, although you know, actually, don't they have an office in Chicago? Though I would have to go look. I, I think I think they do, but yeah, their their whole thing is is that everybody's remote, and that and they and I believe actually they keep very small teams. I, I don't think they have more than uh you know a couple of dozen developers or so working on the product. So that 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 may also you know be one of the reasons why they they are that way and stay lean and and remote and everything. You know, I wonder if that's one of the reasons why some of these other companies don't want to do remote is they they feel that it can't scale. So that wraps it up for episode eight of the Practical Operations Podcast. We're your hosts, Brendan Diesendorf. I'm Jack Neely. And I'm Jared Watkins. We look forward to seeing you next week.